Well, it's my privilege to welcome you again. We are looking at our Sunday School lesson for July the 9th of 2023. Got an interesting title for you. We all battle the sin of hypocrisy. My father-in-law used to say that we're all hypocrites to one degree or another. Now, why would he say something like that? Well, I get it because I'm not everything that I'm supposed to be. Uh, I used to see a thing, people would wear this button, and I can't remember all the initials, uh, P-B-P-G-I-N-F-M-Y. <laughs> that sounds weird, doesn't it? But it stood for this, please be patient, God isn't finished with me yet. Amen. That's the way we all are. None of us are everything that we uh, should be. And we're not everything that we're going to be. God is going to finish the work in us, body, soul, and spirit. And uh, that's when we're glorified and when we're in heaven. Uh, You and I don't, uh, we're justified and that's taken care of. The penalty of sin is no problem for us because that was taken in our place by Jesus Christ. But I'm not sanctified yet and don't look spiritual because neither are you. And uh, one of these days we will be and uh, we're going to receive a new body and be glorified and be in heaven. Sometimes I hear people at uh, funerals, here's a body, a corpse lying in a, ca- a casket, and somebody will say, oh, we're so glad that grandpa has his new body. It's like, no, not yet, because that body that's in that casket is going to come out of the grave, and it's going to be made an immortal body. Paul said that this mortal must put on immortality, and this corruption must put on incorruption. God's going to save all of you, even this body that gives you so much trouble now, even this body that's going to die and be laid in the grave one day is going to be brought out and all of that's going to be complete. But hey, let's face facts. We ain't there yet. We're getting closer, but we're not there yet. And you may be more sanctified than you were 10 years ago, but but you're not there yet. And uh, so we all battle hypocrisy. We all have those things. Well, uh, the Bible puts it this way, to him that knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, who would that be addressed to? Everybody. We all have things we know that we should not do, yet we do them anyway. And we all have things that we know we should do, but we just haven't gotten around to it yet. And you know, one of these days we're going to do it. And we all have those things that we fully intended to do, but now we don't have the opportunity. Maybe you had the idea that I want to witness to my uncle. And I'm going to do that one of these days when I sense an open door and I get around to it. Now your uncle has passed away. You'll never have that opportunity, right? There's not a person on earth who is saved who doesn't have one of those situations. We're all hypocrites to one degree or another. We all have those times when we go, oh, why did I say that? I knew better than to say that. What what was I thinking anyway? So as we read this passage today out of Galatians chapter uh, 2, starting at verse 11 through 16, we're going to read about somebody that, well, it probably is going to disappoint us just a little bit. And it's about that famous apostle, that leading apostle, uh, Peter. I mean, he's the guy that was uh, after the day of Pentecost and in the early part of the New Testament church, he was kind of the 
the big cheese, wasn't he? And then later, Paul kind of takes prominence and preeminence over him, uh, you know, as time goes by. And Paul even rebukes Peter to the face. And uh, Peter does some things in here that we're going to read about that are just a little bit disappointing. But then again, don't you? I know I do. And this is just the way it goes. And I'm not even happy with myself. I don't even please myself, much less please God. I don't always please my wife or my kids, much, much less please God. We're all kind of in the same boat. So the introduction says we can all find hypocrisy in ourselves and especially in others. Now there's the hard part about it. We don't always see the hypocrisy that we have, but we can sure spot it in other people, can't we? And uh, this happens because none of us are everything that we uh, should be or even could be. We could all do better. And sometimes it is unintentional, and many times we know exactly what we are doing. Boy, that's where it's really, really sinful. Then it should be confronted with the truth. And our lifestyle should be as Paul commands in Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, says, so that we may no longer be children tossed about to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Now, as we think about what Paul is saying there, we got a lot of growing to do. I mean, who can measure up to what he said there? Who is not tossed about by every wind and the trickery of man? You ever get fooled? You ever get, ever get scammed? Have you ever had somebody you thought that they were a good sound preacher only to find out that they weren't? I mean, how many people were <coughs> devout followers of Ravi Zacharias only to find out after he died that he was involved in all kinds of sexual sin and uh, horrible stuff like that. How would that make you feel? Maybe it was somebody that you knew as a pastor or a Sunday school teacher, and you watched them as they fell, and you looked at them, and you're so hurt, and you're so disappointed. Maybe it was even somebody in your family, maybe a spouse. More than one situation where somebody had their trust in a and a spouse, the kind of trust they should have had, only to find out that they were not what they were supposed to be. I mean, this happens every day, and it happens all the way around the world. But how many times have you failed to keep a promise? How many times have you compromised on a situation, a principle that you said you would stand strong for that, and boy, you aren't going to give it up? Kind of like Peter when he said, I won't deny you, and then he did. We all kind of have those particular moments. And so we've got to be careful. And how many of us are coming to the unity of the faith? Uh, sometimes it seems like the more we know about the Bible, the more that we want to divide. Now, we don't ever want to compromise truth, but we don't want to be antagonistic either, do we? And we forget that sometimes. And how many of us always speak the truth? That'd be part A of the question. And how many of us always speak the truth and always do it in love? Well, that's harder than we would like to think. Sometimes our tongue gets away with us. Read the book of James and, and talk about that. Now, when we uh, get to verse 11 of chapter 2, this is a sad story. 
And this is a story that we should not be too judgmental about Peter. This is a story that's kind of about all of us. Maybe the circumstances are a little different, but well, the story's kind of the same. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Mm. For before certain men came from James, in other words, the Judaizers from Jerusalem, uh, he would eat with the Gentiles. I mean, he was eating ribs and ham hock and uh, ham sandwiches and bologna and hot dogs and all that kind of, I mean, I know it, not really, but you get the picture. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. I mean, uh, they were going to out-Jew him, and so he was going to be super-Jew all of a sudden. Now, how do you think that made the Galatians, the Gentiles, feel? Well, I'll tell you one thing, it ticked Paul off. And I think in this case, this would be uh, what we would call righteous indignation. And it wasn't something that bothered Paul for the rest of his life, and he didn't hold a grudge against Peter, and he wasn't always going around trying to uh, downplay Peter and... Uh, put Peter in his place and make other people think badly about Peter. Uh, that's not the case. Peter is, uh, Paul is just being honest. And that's the whole thing. He was honest. He spoke the truth and he spoke it in love because he cared about Peter. He cared about the gospel. And he also cared about those Galatian Gentiles. How must they feel and how they were treated? And it says on verse 13, and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him you see, sin tends to spread, doesn't it? Now it's not just Peter, it's the other Jews in the church. Now the church in Galatia is divided because all of the Jews are going to be super duper Jews now. And uh, they're going to be real strict and, and, oh yes, I would never eat anything unkosher or anything like that. And uh, play, played the hypocrite with him. So the Jewish people here that are claiming to be so righteous... Paul said they're hypocrites. And the apostle here that had been used so greatly of God. After all, this guy preached and 3,000 were saved on the day of Pentecost. This is the guy in Matthew 16 that Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And the disciples started, you know, talking about who people said he was. And then Jesus asked the question, but who do you say that I am? And it's Peter who said, thou art the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, or son of John, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Remember what happened right after that? Jesus talks about dying and Peter goes, oh, not so, Lord, that's not going to happen. And Jesus goes from blessed art thou to saying, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter's always had a little bit of a problem with this. His mouth uh, outruns his brain. You've got to make sure your uh, brain is engaged before you put your mouth in gear, don't you? And Peter had a problem with that. And even at this point, you would think he would have learned from that, but apparently not. And uh, the spirit that he had in there of just being one way one day and another uh, way the next day is still something he has to battle. And so he does this and other people are following along. Oh, we are such good Christians. Oh, it's so good to see you. 
and how's James and how's John and how are the other apostles doing and how's my Aunt Martha doing? You know, she works there with the people in the church and they're all having a great time while they eat all of their kosher food and look down their nose at others. Now, it may have been, if you're a Jew, you may have a preference to not eat pork and that's fine, but you don't impose that on other people. I knew an Orthodox Jew who got saved and became a Southern Baptist evangelist. And he was so rejected by his family, they had a funeral for him and buried an empty casket and put up a tombstone because they considered him to be dead. And even after all the years of being saved and preaching the Bible, he said, I still can't bring myself to eat that nasty ham that you all eat. Well, that's fine but he didn't impose that on anybody else. Now, these people are playing, Paul said, the hypocrite, acting like they are something that they are not when before they were fine with it. You get the picture? Two-faced. It's kind of like the way some people act at church and the way they act at home, the way some people treat Christian brothers and sisters at church and the way that they treat co-workers on the job. There's language that they say on the job they would never say in the church building. And all that does is confuse people. And sometimes it gives other people to say, well, if he can do it, I guess I can too. And then we stumble other people and you know what the Lord says about that. So are we getting the picture here? This is a problem for everybody at one place or another. Now, I I don't have any problem trying to act like a Jew when Jews are around. I I don't tend to do that. Now, neither do I want to offend them. If I were having a group of Jews over to my house, I probably would not have pork rinds on the table. I probably wouldn't do anything like that. I would be careful and conscious. But neither would I say, well, I don't know how anybody eats that filthy stuff and all that, you know. I, I would be honest and probably make a joke out of it. And, uh, but I would be kind to them. But see, this isn't happening in this church. And people are getting ticked off at each other and there's division against each other. And you know what the Lord says about hypocrisy. So they played the hypocrite with him so that, oh, this breaks my heart. Even Barnabas, even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Barnabas the son of encouragement, the guy that sold his land to get money to help out poor Christians, the one that introduced Paul to the disciples. And when they wouldn't receive him, Barnabas made sure he was accepted. Barnabas, this guy that had been on missionary journeys with Paul, even he got carried away with all of that. I mean, doesn't that break your heart? Verse 14, but when I saw that they were not straightforward, which we always ought to be, about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, in other words, we don't sin the way the pagans do, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. 
Why? Because it's all going to be tainted with sin. And because we are all dishonest, we are all hypocrites, and uh, we are none of us everything that we are supposed to be. Uh, one time I remember my father-in-law preached at uh, First Southern uh, back when Bailey Smith was there. Some of you were there for that. And he talked about total surrender and those kind of things. And I remember him telling me that the next morning he was having breakfast with Brother Bailey. And Brother Bailey said, to, uh, he said, well, Sam, there's only one problem with the sermon you preached last night. And uh, Sam said, well, what was that kind of concerned? And Bailey said, it's the fact that none of us have ever really done it. And um, that's the truth. We don't really know what it is to be fully and totally surrendered to Christ all the time because of the strength and the wickedness of our flesh. So we have to deal with this. Now, number one, notice that there was a loving confrontation that is sometimes necessary. Now, some of us like to confront, but it's more for the idea of putting somebody else in their place or showing them or bullying them or manipulating them or proving to them how spiritual we are. None of those things is good or right. We ought to care about the person. And Paul was strong when he did this to Peter. But notice, Paul didn't do this kind of stuff all the time. You don't find this just as Paul's nature, or nobody would like him or ever want to be around him. It was kind of a rare thing, but he was willing to do it, and he was willing to lose a friend if it meant that God would be glorified, the gospel would be clear, and other people would be um, assured of their salvation. And so Paul was willing to lose a friend in Peter if it meant that the gospel would be clear. Well, would to God that we would be that way as well. And um, it, it worked, apparently. Peter got things straightened out. Loving confrontation. Paul cared about the gospel and loved the gospel. He loved the Lord Jesus and he loved the people here both the Judaizers and both those who were hypocrites, as well as the ones who were the Gentiles as well. And so uh, he loves him enough to speak up, to withstand him to his face. You know, we always like to kind of withstand other people when they're not around. We like to correct other people and challenge other people uh, when they're not around and do it behind their back. And we really ought to do it to their face, not behind their back when the time is right. And so uh, this is a loving confrontation. And uh, so, you know, when we think about this, that nobody is perfect, uh, nobody is mature, nobody is where they ought to be. We all have inconsistencies in our life. So we ought to take that into consideration whenever we do this confrontation. We don't do it with a ball bat and we don't do it in an unloving manner. We don't pour gasoline on them and then light a match and torch them, and we don't find pleasure in it. We don't brag about it when we do it. I think when Paul wrote this, he wrote it with a broken heart. And so as a result, we're all hypocrites to one degree or another. Now, Peter is confronted by, uh, by this, and Paul also confessed his sin as well. Uh, by the way, Paul is a guy that wrote in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. He's not perfect either. For I do not understand my own actions, he says. For I do not what I want to do. I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Paul could say, God saves sinners of whom I am chief. 
And that's just not being, you know, magnanimous in anything. He meant it. He said, I was a blasphemer. He said, I was the one who persecuted the church. Man, I'm the least of the apostles. And so uh, when he does this, he's not doing it because he feels superior. He's doing it because it's a loving confrontation. We've got to have love. We've got to have compassion. We've got to do things out of humility. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, second, let's talk about Peter's hypocrisy. And, uh, you know, it was only when certain people were around. When these Judaizers came and, you know, Peter, because he was kind of based in Jerusalem, he may have known them. And, uh, you know, the thought of sitting down with this guy that you know who would look at you eating with the Gentiles and can't believe that's happening. Boy, I never thought I'd see the day. Uh, You know, that that bothered Peter. He was a people person. And so uh, he just didn't do it. And uh, this is something that Paul watched and other people watched too because some followed him into his sin But you also know, too, that there was a whole group of these Gentiles that were hurt, dismayed, and confused by Peter's sin. How come we were not good enough? We were good enough for him before, but we're not good enough for him now. And so uh, Peter's experience here with the unclean Gentiles and um, Cornelius, remember that back uh, in, what chapter was that in Acts? Um, when he went and preached the gospel to Cornelius and then the Holy Spirit came upon them and uh, Peter did not demand that they abstain from eating certain kinds of meat. He didn't call for them to be circumcised. He did nothing that the Judaizers said and yet God poured the Holy Spirit upon them. Now, if the Judaizers were right, then the Gentiles would receive Christ and then when they went through the rite of circumcision, then the Holy Spirit would fall upon them like it did, like he did the disciples on the day of Pentecost. But that's not what happened. And Peter knew that. And so Peter is walking into this with his eyes wide open, knowing exactly what's happening. And everybody else knows it too. And you remember his vision where the sheet comes down with the unclean animals and the spirit says to him, kill and eat. And Peter, "Mm, no, not going to do that. I would never eat anything common or unclean. And he was told, what God has cleansed, don't you call common or unclean. Remember that? This is Peter, same guy. And what is he doing now? Now he's playing games, saying that some people are clean, some people are not, even though they all confess Christ. Is that true? Are there some Christians that are justified and some that are not? Are there some that are saved and some that are only like halfway saved, partially saved? Nowhere in the Bible will you find anything like this? And in Acts chapter 10, that's the chapter I'm looking for, uh, it says, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people, Cornelius and his other Gentile friends, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So Peter's conduct was not ignorant and it was not unintentional. And uh, the literal definition in uh, Thayer's lexicon is uh, of hypocrite is the acting of a stage player. Peter was putting on a mask. He was pretending to be something. You know, the Greeks had those masks, comedy and tragedy, and they would put them on for whatever part they were playing in front of the audience. 
That's all Peter was doing. He was not genuine in any way, shape, or form in all of this. He knew better, and he had seen God save Gentiles and the movement of God there, but he's got to put on an act for certain people. Let me ask you a question. Are there some people that you act differently around than you do others? Do you play the hypocrite? You need to get right with God so that you're consistent no matter who you're around. Now, I don't mean by that you're sinning and you're doing something that's unacceptable and you're just going to rub their nose in it. We're not talking about that type of thing. Be considerate and be kind and don't stumble other people, but don't be a fake and don't be a hypocrite either. And uh, this is, he did it because of the fear of man, didn't he? And uh, why are we afraid of man but not afraid of offending God. Corey Ten Boom said, if we were half as afraid of offending God as we are of offending man, we would be completely different. Boy, she's right about that. We are so afraid somebody's going to be offended or somebody's not going to like us or they're not going to understand us that we'll violate the law of God and the will of God in order to please man. We don't want to be men pleasers. We want to be God pleasers. Thirdly, Look at the dangerous influence of hypocrisy. Now, if you could find a way to just be a hypocrite that didn't affect anybody else, that, that still wouldn't be good, but it would be, you know, one thing. But Paul said to the Corinthians, it's a little leaven that leavens the whole lump, right? Got to get rid of all of it, all of the sin. Sin spreads, and that's certainly what happened here. The rest of the Jews played the hypocrite, with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. You see, sin is influential and it spreads just like the leaven in the, uh, in the bread. And Barnabas was normally an encourager, Acts chapter 4, verse 16. And he normally was a uniter in Acts chapter 9, verse 26 and 27. Let's come together. Uh, even when uh, John Mark had been rejected by Paul and Paul said, no, he can't go with us on our next missionary journey. Barnabas stayed with John Mark. And apparently it worked, whatever Barnabas did, because at the end of Paul's life, he tells Timothy, bring Mark with you for he's profitable to me for ministry. And that same John Mark that Paul didn't want going on that missionary journey because he would get in the way and he would flake off again. He's the guy that wrote the Gospel of Mark. He was very profitable, right? And uh, that's Barnabas that had that influence. Barnabas was a people-oriented person, and he was a uniter. But what happened in this situation? He was a divider. Why? Because Peter's hip hypocrisy was just too much for him. I and mean, maybe Barnabas even said, well, if Peter's doing this, it must be right. I've known people that have said, I'm not sure what to do here, but I know that brother so-and-so is involved in it, and surely he wouldn't do anything wrong. Well, yeah, he would, because we all have this battle of hypocrisy somewhere in our lives. None of us are perfect in everything we ought to be, and we're not 100% uh, consistent, are we? So now Barnabas is a hypocrite, and he's going with the crowd. And number four, hypocrisy puts you out of step. The Bible tells us that we are to walk in the Spirit. I think it's a New International Version that does a good job with that verse saying that we are to keep in step 
with the Spirit. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. Keep in step. You ever been in a marching band or in the military or something like that? Have you ever gotten out of step where everybody else is lifting their left leg and you're lifting your right leg or something like that? Uh, you got to stay in step. We do that all the time with the Lord. We're out of step with the Lord. We're veering off. We're not walking in a straight line. We're not keeping up with Him. We're walking too fast, walking too slow. Uh, never a good thing. Keep in step with the Spirit. And hypocrisy, when you're a hypocrite, you know you are not walking with God. When you are exercising your hypocrisy, you are not in step with the Spirit. Paul says in verse 14, but when I saw that they were not straightforward, they were lying, in other words, about the truth of the gospel. That's what really got him. They were lying about God, lying about his word, lying about the issue of salvation. I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and uh, not the Jews, then why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? You know, you're a Jew living as a Gentile. Why are you making them be a Jew when you don't even do that all the time, right? Physician, heal thyself, we might say. And so uh, this is just a tough, tough situation. And uh, Peter has to be corrected. But you and I have to be corrected too. You know, we need friends that will be willing to say to us, you're not right about that. That's not the best way to be. You're incorrect. Your information is wrong. Or even your lifestyle is wrong. Can I ask you a question? Are you willing with somebody? Let's say they're living with somebody they're not married to. You willing to lose their friendship over telling them the truth? You've got somebody here who steals things all the time. Are you willing to confront them? Well, if I do, they won't be my friend. You love them enough? to confront them on all of that? Or are you going to make them think that it's just okay? Keep on doing whatever you're doing. And we've got to have people that will do it. And of course, do it in love, in a loving manner, and do it at the right time. You're not always the right person to confront or correct somebody else. It may be somebody else's assignment. They may be able to do it better than you. They may have a better relationship with that person. Rosaria Butterfield says, that whenever you're doing confrontation like that, let your words be no stronger than your relationship. So be careful. It's not your job. You're not the world's policeman to go around and just, you know, correct everybody all the time and just be a jerk. But when you have the opportunity and when you have that uh, assignment that's given to you, be like Paul and love enough to actually speak up about all of this and help people to get right with God and help them to get in step with the Spirit, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. That needs to be clear. And so they were out of step with the gospel. Remember Galatians 5.25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And hypocrisy requires you to demand that others live in a way that you do not. And that's what Paul was saying to Peter. You don't even do this, Peter. Why are you putting this on these people or at least acting like you were doing it when you're in front of the right people? Hypocrisy is living a lie. And I might add on that, living a lie on purpose. You know what you're doing. And so uh, Paul's strong statement on salvation by faith alone 
by the works of the law. No man, no flesh, whether Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter, shall be justified. So there's only one place you can land, and that is that Jews do not have to become Gentiles, and Gentiles don't have to become Jews, and neither one of them have the right to impose that upon the others. We have freedom in Christ, and the whole basis is Christ is our Savior. Now, uh, we've got a controversy going on right now in Christianity. Should we shop at Target because of their stance on the pride issue and all of that? Well, uh, Sammy and I have decided for the time being, no, we're not going to. Now, does that mean nobody should? And does that mean we ought to confront you if you should? No, that's a conscience issue, isn't it? It's not a doctrinal issue. It's a conscience issue. We'll just leave that up to the Holy Spirit to tell you what to do. And we won't beat each other over the head and, and uh, you know, doing that kind of stuff because that's not really the biggest issue. Now, obviously, I think it's important, and maybe I think it's more important than you do, and maybe I have a little bit different stance on it, but we've got to leave room for people. <clears throat> and if a Jew doesn't want to eat ham, it's not my job as a Gentile to force him to eat uh, smoke some ribs for him and invite him over and put it in front of him and demand that he eat of those. He can do whatever he wants to with it, and I can do whatever I want to with that. That's our Christian freedom. But one thing we cannot do is monkey with the gospel. We cannot change the Word of God. We cannot change the clear truths of the Bible. We must stand upon those things. And uh, the Bible is very plain about those things. So Paul was bold and firm on this because number one, he loved God. And number two, he loved God's word. And number three, he loved God's people. And number four, he even loved the ones who were acting hypocritically. And number five, he loved the people that were affected by their hypocrisy. And he was going to do something about it. Okay. Now, maybe not everybody could. Maybe not everybody needed to speak up the same way Paul did at that time, but somebody did. And so as we look at life, we need to remember there are times we speak, there are times we leave it to somebody else. There are times we take a stand, there are times when we don't make a mountain out of a molehill and uh, we don't get all tangled up. But in all things, we must be honest, we must be true to our conscience, we must be true to our understanding of the Word of God, and we must stay in step with the Spirit. A missionary one time was so bothered because there were other people around him in the church that were not living in a, the way he thought that they ought to live. And uh, it kind of bothered him, and his hypocrisy showed up because he was jealous that other people got to do things that he didn't get to do. And as he took it to the Lord, he was complaining, and it was as, it was as if the Spirit of God said to him, others may, but you cannot. Others may, but you cannot. And sometimes your conscience might not let you do something because you can't get caught up in all of that mess. And maybe somebody else can handle it, but hey, they've got their own problems and their own hypocrisies. And sometimes what tempts you may not bother me, and what tempts me may not bother you. Why can't we just leave it with the Lord? But the main thing is be honest, speak the truth in love, and never, ever play the hypocrite. We've got to be consistent as we live for the glory of God and before the world. So 
Understand that we've got to be committed to truth. John 17, 17 and John 14, 6. The word of God is truth and Jesus is the truth. That's what those verses say. And anything short of that disgusted the apostle Paul because God is always glorified in truth. And may we be people that know the truth. The truth sets us free and we live and we walk in the truth and in the light as he is in the light. That's, that's really simple, isn't it? That's the way we are supposed to live. And make sure that as you do that, not only is that the way you live, but also the way you treat other people. Give them that same freedom as well. Okay? Hope that makes it clear. God bless you as you teach your class. God bless you as you study this to keep up with your class. Thank you so much for your time. We'll do it again next time. And I hope you had a great 4th of July. Pray for our nation, how we desperately need it and how we desperately need to live as salt and light in the midst of a dark and decaying world. That's why God has us here. Let's do it for his glory. Thank you again and God bless.